If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, friend, and welcome back. Welcome to In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen, and today I'm looking forward to an insightful conversation with Dr. Anna Kabeka. Dr. Anna is a highly respected women's health expert and also the founder and creator of the Girlfriend Doctor brand. She also is a best-selling author, so basically Dr. Anna is bringing the heat, okay? With her background as an OBGYN, Dr. Anna has made it her life's work to help women improve their health and well-being through natural holistic methods. Dr. Anna, Thank you so much for being here today. It's great to be here with you, Karen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I want to ask, because it's very clear that you are passionate about the work you're doing, very passionate about women's health, but where does this passion come from? How how did it originate? Oh my goodness. You know, so I grew up in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. My I remember, you know, my mom in her early 50s, I was 16, took the bus home. And I was, that was the first time I walked up the hill to my house and it was the first time the house was empty. And, and my mom was undergoing, you know, heart surgery for cardiovascular disease at, at the young age of 52. And at that time I was, you know, a rebellious student, but I dug into the research and I realized most of the research, I mean, all of the research actually that they were basing her surgery on was done on men. And, and so I really became interested in women's health. And at that point, a really strong advocate for women's health and women's health research. And that naturally followed the course of becoming an obstetrician and gynecologist and really focusing on women's health. And then I had my own health crisis that, you know, took me from, I think Emory University is where I trained at one of the best institutions, but like my doctor's bag was empty. And I had to find answers and find solutions. And as I did that, you know, I brought that into my medical practice, brought it into my own life, you know, really I'm an advocate to empower the individual to own their own their life and own their health. And as a mom of four daughters, it's also very important to keep hormone balance in the household. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Not only did at an early age, did you recognize that this is going to be a passion of yours, but then you were blessed with four daughters to just make sure that that's your passion. Right? On. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you said you were 16 when you became curious about the surgery that your mother was undergoing. And, and at that time is when you dove into the research. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. And I think that because like as women, we have such great intuition, mm. right? As women, mm-hmm. we have such great intu- intuition. So there was that nagging, you know, th- inside me that said, you know, look this up. What exactly is mom experiencing? You know, and you know, what's going to happen to her? And, you know, like, you know, was that just that curiosity and a strong love for my mother that drove me? Yes. Well, I've never, the research that I have encountered has to do more so from studies that deal with a a population, a group of people. So in that research, you know, I'm not seeing that this was a male or a female. It's more of a collective. But in this case, as you're looking through, is it that you were able to see on the patient's file or was it just like, you know, their demographics that listed male and that's how you started to see paper after paper after paper it was only around men? Only around men. So like that point, okay, so 16, 40, was it 40? 40 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. 40 years ago when this, I mean, cardiac bypass surgery was pretty new, 
Mm-hmm. Right. That was, it was just coming into mainstream popularity. And much of the work was done by Dr. DeBakey out of um, Baylor. And so when they published studies, it was like, you know, in this 30 man trial, in this 30, you know, I was like, hmm. Mm. hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was the initial research. Yeah. I mean, at 16, I am pretty sure I would not have been putting two and two together. I would have just taken it as as is. But thank goodness you decided to to look deeper into that. But was it that early on also where you noticed maybe the inequities and the imbalance that was happening in the medical field? Or did that come later? Like I think there was naivete around that too. I was the first person in my family to go to college, let alone to pursue medical school. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of groundbreaking that I was doing on my own, you know, and the physicians that had been around me, you know, they were all male physicians that I grew up with and, you know, uh, was treated by, I didn't have a female doc, you know, I had a, um, a nurse practitioner at the plan, you know, local clinic, you know, to, to get birth control or something like that. But that was my only, and that was in college. That was my only exposure to, to female. But what was interesting is that in, in where I grew up in Dolestown, my family physician was a DO, a doctor of osteopathic medicine. And when I, I didn't even recognize there was a difference. So I was applying to med schools and I inquired, it's like, what is this? Right. And he said, well, we really look at the whole body approach versus a systems approach. And, and that made a lot of sense to me. And, and so that made me delve into going into a more osteopathic route and with already an interest in natural medicine. And by the time I was in residency, mom was undergoing her second heart surgery mm-hmm. and I appealed to the best, you know, her heart surgeon and, and, uh, the best one in Philadelphia that she had gone to and she never made it through surgery. The surgeon said the surgery went well, but you know, she went into multi-organ liver failure. And here I was an Emory resident, you know, passionate about the science, the research, you know, and you know, perfectionism, right. And my mom didn't make it out of surgery. And I had to ask, you know, you know, why, like, why, if, you know, if the surgery went well, but the patient didn't make it, like, why? And it came down to really three things, hormone imbalance, inflammation, and adrenal dysregulation. And I promised my mom at that point, I was like, I will, you know, I will not let anyone suffer Mm -hmm. like this. I will come up with a better answer, a better way, because at that time of her death, she was on 11 prescription medications. Again, no two were ever studied together in a person, let alone a menopausal woman. So, Mm. so, you know, made me again, question what I was doing, what I was learning, you know, you know, here, here I am wanting to help and I couldn't even help my own mom, you know, very humbling and tragic time in my life. I'm obviously very sorry for your loss. And Again, I mean, Dr. Anna, the clarity that you had in that grief to see that there is a problem here, that this doesn't add up. And it's not that we are not working. It's not that the information we have isn't adding up. It's there's information lacking. Right. And that that's the piece that I think is is quite scary when it comes to our health, when it comes to also just the, the medical field is we're constantly learning. As as we are constantly evolving, we are constantly learning. I just can't imagine a time where part of what wasn't considered is our, our makeup given the gender that we are. And, and that's so right. important. It's critical to consider because that's those are very distinct factors that make us so different that a uh, 
in my mind, it would make sense. Well, of course, we would approach this differently because we're dealing with a different type of person. But again, you know, back during those days, I maybe didn't know better, just didn't have enough information. I don't know what to make of that. I know. I know it's challenging. Well, definitely women are difficult to study because you have <laughs> menstrual cycles to work around and, sure. you know, then we question a lot. <laughs> mm, absolutely. So, so I think there, there's, a, there's many reasons why women have been left out of, of medical research, also pregnancy issues and like all of that. And, and we've seen over the past two decades, how studying women can lead to big, you know, big disruptions in, in healthcare and, and misinformation with the Women's Health Initiative study and the HERS trial, like, okay, what we were going for, we didn't get essentially the results we were going for to prove this, you know, pharmacologic would work. We didn't get those results. And I think this is where it comes to, and I love what you do on your, in the details, right. In your, in your podcast, in your mission, it's looking at that underlying reasons, right? Like, what are you, like, what are, what are you observing? What do you know to be true? right? What is in the details that you know to be true? And for me, it was looking, well, I'm from an immigrant family, my mom and two brothers out of nine that came to the, there's only three of them out of nine came to the um, America and all three died before, you know, the majority of their siblings abroad living in a essentially, you know, a, a war-torn area of the world. And I had to think one died of colon cancer, one died of heart disease, and my mom died of heart disease. And I had to think, well, why? Here we had all this access and yet all three passed away before, you know, my mom's uh, sister, just 11, 11 months difference from her is, is, you know, has lived 27 years longer already. Mm. So, so it had to ask what is, you know, what's going on here? Like, why was the food, the pharma, the interventions, you know, and looking at that, what is the lifestyle, the stress level, yes. you know, the pollution, the chem hormone disruptors, the food contamination, all of these things come to you know, a degradation on our body. And intuitively we see, okay, I see this happening. You know, why is it, and asking that question, why is it that, you know, family in the Middle East are, you know, working through these issues and don't have all these interventions. Mm -hmm. And my relatives here, my mom included that, you know, passed away and, and, you know, it was a mortal failure in our mm -hmm. medical system for them and art and that physiology. Mm -hmm. And so having, I say, you know, some of us have this warrior physiology, like Native Americans, like, you know, very ancient cultures, et cetera. We have a warrior physiology. And so that is, you know, that has to be taken into account when we're making recommendations and the standard American diet and even the American Diabetic Association diet that my mom was told to follow was devastating for her. So, mm, you know, I think about when I first heard about the blue zones, different yes. parts of the world where people are living longer. And listener, if you have not heard about this, go ahead, fall down that rabbit hole, have fun, have fun. Um, and it was so it good. Was, so oh, good. it's so good. And there are different factors that they talk about that contribute to these blue zones. The biggest one that I walked away with was, as you were mentioning, stress level. There's a lot that contributes to our stress, but I think what Americans don't fundamentally understand, and I'm only speaking saying for Americans, because this is the country I live in. I don't know what others understand. I know what I deal with in my coaching and my teaching is the effects of stress on our body from a, from a biological standpoint, the cortisol that is released. 
what does that actually do to our body, to our immune system, to our heart? And when I saw that, I just thought, wow, we haven't even tapped into a natural way of healing ourselves because we are constantly living and operating from the state of stress, which then is hurting us even more. Like we're trying to solve our problems, but we're stressed about our problems and therefore we're inflicting more pain. It was, I mean, that in it, I don't know if I have this right because I'm not a doctor, but from what I've heard, what I've seen, what I've read, most of these issues, these chronic issues that we are hearing about, they start from inflammation. They can spiral in different areas, but how much of that is true and how much do you think our health and the issues that we're facing with our health really stem from the stress that we're under and, and therefore subsequently the cortisol that's being released into our body? Stress and inflammation are, you know, I mean, that inflammation and hormone imbalance, stress causing hormone imbalance. I mean, that is 99% of it, 99% of it. And I write about this in my first book, The Hormone Fix. And I always say, you know, it kind of is, you know, after the fact, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my medical education, you know, and and the prime years, all my 20s studying and, and sleepless. And to recognize that it's, it, as physicians, we learn, okay, this is what I got to do for you. I'm going to write you this prescription. I'm going to do this surgery. I can, I got to do this for you so you can get better. And I switch that around to this is how I empower you. You have to, what you have to do for you to be better. And it, it's, it's those multiple aspects. It's from the thoughts we keep. And in, in the hormone fix, I talk about, it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. We all want that magic pill, but it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. And the biggest hormones are insulin, cortisol, and then the most powerful life-saving hormone, life-worth-living hormone, and that's oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And oxytocin is what you're talking about, which I know you you emanate and you radiate oxytocin, <laughs> radiate joy, you radiate you know happiness. And that's like the things that you do and choose to focus on on a daily basis, you know, increase those level of oxytocin and decrease those levels of cortisol. They work in opposition. And so the more we can do to increase oxytocin on a daily basis from controlling our thoughts, from being in the present moment, from, from being grateful, from having fun, loving conversations, you know, fun, loving sex, all of that good stuff increases oxytocin. Yes. Can I tell you something I do that's, oh, it's so silly, but it's true because I am like incredibly intentional about making sure I'm doing things that are releasing good chemicals and hormones in myself and also my son. I'm a single mama. And so all that I'm learning, I'm trying to like pass down to him. I'm like, here we are fixing things that we've learned along the way. But the one thing I do every single day and I don't care how old my son gets, I will continue to do it, is I tickle him. I make him laugh. <laughs> we just like, it happens, it, we could be driving to school or we're at home watching a show or whatever it is. We just know that it's important to laugh every single day. I've even, because I saw a study that said eight hugs a day increases your dopamine. So we started doing that recently. I said, we count them, like how many hugs have we gotten yet? And just to make, to be more intentional because gosh, Dr. Anna, when you think about this world, it is so chaotic. We are dealing with a ton of negativity thrown at us on, you know, a regular basis. I was almost going to say an hourly basis, but we'll say regular, but it's being thrown at us so often and so quickly. 
I feel like, you know, it's really important that we are intentional about the good, the joy, the love, the fun, the laughter, not just from a space where, oh, it feels good, but no, it's actually good for your brain. (laughs) Yes, essential. It's essential. And it changes your entire perspective. I have a Girlfriend Doctor Club community, and it's called the Girlfriend Doctor Club. And one of my clients who's been in it since, you know, for, for, you know, since it started, she started a gratitude practice, you know, really just putting it on her Instagram. And she said, you know, Dr. Ann, I committed to doing this gratitude practice and, you know, writing it on Instagram every day. You know, you say it's so important and like I've committed to it and she's been really disciplined about it. And she goes, you cannot believe the difference it's made in my physiology, in my (laughs) outlook, in my life, in my weight, in, you know, in every, thing. She goes, I just, you know, and it's, it's a magnetic difference, magnetizing positive people, expelling negative people. It's this, you know, attitude of gratitude and, you know, committing to that practice is, is very cool. And I just wrote on the sticky pad, I'm going to put it on my fridge, yeah. hashtag tickle. Yes. I got it. We're going to do this with my daughter. We start laughing <laughs> hysterically. <laughs> I do. It's so good for us. I, I don't, there's no research that backs this, but uh, it'll be, it's 10 years this year that I lost my husband and I became very intentional about the way I was navigating my grief through my, I didn't know these words at the time, but through mindfulness, through positive psychology. And then again, I didn't know at the time that I was harnessing the power of neuroplasticity, but what I was able to, what I noted, and it was, it's a firm data point was until I got COVID, uh, in 2021, I think it was, I had not been sick in nine years. Now, what I started to find was because a lot of the things that I started to implement were helping to decrease the cortisol that would flood my brain, right? I'm a single parent. I'm trying to start a business. I'm still trying to heal from being a young widow. All of those things. Of of course we would stress about them. But because I became intentional about managing my brain health, essentially, and again, I don't know any research, but I say this to say when I went back from, because I also, uh, being an entrepreneur, didn't have health insurance. So I wasn't going to get checked out for anything. Sorry, I know a lot of doctors cringe when they hear that, but, but, but when I went to go see my doctor for my well visit last year and I told her, I said, oh, I haven't been in nine years. And she was like, and you haven't been sick at all. She's like, and I'm looking at all of your levels and I'm looking at your blood work. And I feel very fortunate that I also have good genetics. I know that to be true, but like, listen, I'm missing common colds. My kid is out, you know, in and out of school. I'm missing the flu. I'm not getting stomach viruses. I'm not getting any of that stuff. The only time I got sick was within the first four months of my husband um, passing away. My son and I both got a stomach virus within 24 hours of each other. And since then I hadn't been sick. Am I making this up in my mind or could it be that powerful? Psychoneuroimmunobiology, that's (gasps) the term, psychoneuroimmunobiology. It's really a beautiful field. There's a Dr. Martinez, I think I forget where he is, New Mexico or Texas. I interviewed him, but he has done... you know, good research on this field, psychoneuroimmunobiology, and it's how your thoughts is affecting affecting your, you know, neurology, your nervous system, your hormones, and your immune system. And that like that, that practice creates resilience. Initially, post trauma, cortisol is peaking, and that's going to catabolize your immune system, your cells, you know, you get like, 
to that, you lose the defense mechanism that cortisol initially, you know, is responsible for. And so then you become, you're in that susceptibility state. The fact that you pulled out of that very, you know, intentionally with good, good discipline, good practice, you pulled out of that to empower oxytocin, to empower that healing hormone. And I think that's like, for me, it took me a lot longer to learn that, Karen, because I had PTSD trauma. We lost our son in a tragic accident. And so PTSD, trauma, infertility, early menopause, all of those things were a result of that, you know, severe depression. And until, you know, that, that awareness, that practice to, you know, empower your positivity, be present. You can't look back does you no good to look back what could have been what would have been you know should have been you know you have to get that practice to be present look forward and be grateful is life-saving and and you're definitely a walking beautiful example of it oh well thank you and 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 i would say oh just that the being a single mom is the hardest job i've ever had i didn't even realize. I mean, we say, oh, single parent, and we say it so flippantly that we don't really understand the gravity. And in, I mean, I still feel it, but definitely early on, I was like, wow, you got to be everything. You got to be the teacher, the doctor, the friend, the cook, the cleaner. The, it's so, so, so much. And and I do realize how fortunate I was to, I mean, I won the family lottery. My my family has been very supportive and very helpful and loving, but I was also able to see very specifically that the things I was doing in my mind were shaping my the quality of my life. And I think it's very interesting. Thank you for also mentioning that right after we go through a traumatic experience, yes, you are more susceptible to getting sick you are more susceptible to having, I don't know if the right word is, is disease or, or different infections, you know, start to want to uh, cultivate inside of you because immune system low, cortisol high, so on and so forth. But I think sometimes when we go through these uh, challenging moments in life, we forget that our body can be impacted as well, which is why it's so important to respond in a very thoughtful way. One of the things that I started to do, you mentioned gratitude, which made me think about that uh, early experience was I was so basic with my gratitude. I mean, honestly, Dr. Anna, I would lay in bed and I'd just be like, I have nothing to be grateful for until I thought, well, thank you for this pillow. You know, thank, thank you that I was able to take a shower today. And again, in the darkest times, I would force myself to find something I could be grateful for. And I really, truly, honestly believe before any of those other healthy habits that I started to implement, that is the thing that brought me back to life was, was really being intentional about finding something good, even if it was basic. Oh my gosh, that is so true. And that is so powerful. And I would tell you that is the most important thing I will say, change your morning, change your life and how you start your morning sets your tone for your day. And I learned from the practices of St. Ignatius, it's um, spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius. Anyway, I summarize it to three questions I ask myself in the morning when I wake up before I open my eyes. And it's, you know, where did I see love yesterday? Where was I loving, you know, and, and focus on that? What am I grateful for? And where could I have laughed at myself more? Where did I laugh or could have laughed at myself more. And those three questions, I'm telling you, that changed my life. Wow. I love that. Okay. Well, my listeners love to take good notes, so I'm sure they wrote that down. So thank you for sharing that. One thing I I was thinking about in preparation for this conversation is what did I know about my body growing up? And I'll tell you, 
It's not a lot, okay? I mean, again, I have wonderful sisters, a, amazing mother, great cousins, you know, who are like siblings. And But honestly, growing up, I didn't have conversations with other women in my family where I felt like I was properly educated on knowing my body or what it means to be a woman or these different stages or what have you. So one of the biggest things that came to mind was understanding common issues that women can face. And then, of course, how do we handle those problems? So I'm curious, just in your experience, what are some common misconceptions about women's health that you feel are important to to dispel? Yeah, well, first thing, it's been fun because I've been asking questions online in my new book that came out called Menu Pause. And I always joke that my <laughs> next book will be about the menu pause and that's about dating in your 50s. But anyway, so the one thing that I found I would ask is, what did your mom tell you about menopause? You know, what did your mom tell you about menopause? And the answer was exactly 100% of people answered that way. Nothing, yeah. nothing. And so we have to ask. And I think it's so important for our brave young women, brave, bold women that, you know, are, are growing up to ask and to, and it doesn't matter how old we are, like ask someone around you, ask the question. And I was speaking, and I think there's, there's many things that I want women to know about women's health, but I first want women to feel comfortable ask, you know, having the conversation. I was lecturing in pre-pandemic at a conference in Utah and uh, the next morning, you know, I, I spoke and the next morning I'm in the, the morning coffee line and two women came up to me and said, Dr. Anna, we've been coming to this conference for years. We always room together. And not until after your talk, did we go back to our room and we asked each other, well, mm. what is your, you know, menopause like, what is your sex like, what's going on in your marriage really? And had this honest conversation with each other. And she goes, you know, it's just made us closer. Plus we recognize we're not alone in the things that we're dealing with. These things that were hush, hush or shame, you know, we're not alone. And another young woman in the same line, she had this cool, this cool hat on. I remember her. And she said, you know, I called my mom last night after your call. And I, I just asked her, I said, mom, would you talk to me about, you know, what your hormones were like, you know, after you had me and, you know, and, and so she goes the first time she said that was the first time her and her mom talked about anything other than you're going to need a pad for your period. So, and, and they appreciated that both, Mm -hmm. both of them, all the generations appreciated that my daughters are like, don't tell me anything else. So I don't know about that, but the questions are always about like, certainly about sexual health, like you know, uh, you know, certainly the just, you know, maybe sexual feeling, orgasm, you know, after, you know, post-sex, aftercare, things like that. I think the biggest myth is that PMS is, is just normal. And it's a sim, those are symptoms that your body's struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And honestly, PMS symptoms can be completely eliminated by your next period in just a few small action steps. And I write about this in each of my books, follow any of those plans. And that'll get you there. But my first book, The Hormone Fix, is really my magnus opus. So mm-hmm. so that's the thing. Like, you know, these hormonal symptoms are your body's cry for help. And we, it's, we're empowered. We don't need it, you know, very rarely, with rare exception, do we need a prescription or a surgery to get to the root cause of these problems? And we can address that. And the other thing is, I would say, you know, menopause is natural and mandatory, but suffering is optional. And it's so true because again, I've seen it with women I haven't even touched. They're in my virtual girlfriend community and I, and their symptoms completely eliminate or they reignite their passion for their life or their husband for a dream they had. And, 
And so I think those are some things that just start asking questions and be curious. You know, you can ask someone in a, in a grocery store line or a coffee line and have the conversation there. I mean, and I think it's it should be appreciated. Absolutely. I will tell you one of the biggest myths that was debunked for me from a cousin who is honest about, you know, her health was menopause happens when you're like 50. She was in her late 20s when she started menopause just because that's her that was her biological makeup. And that was fascinating. I was like, oh, okay, we are different. Maybe we go through some of the same things. Another one was what you just mentioned, that all of these different side effects that we have uh, during our menstrual cycle, one, are going to be radically different if you're on birth control or not, because obviously birth control is putting different hormones in your body. But two, you don't have to have them when you regulate your hormones. Now, I'm not fully ashamed to admit that I've learned this on TikTok, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but nonetheless, it gave me an opening to say, oh, that's, that's interesting. Because for me, I haven't been on birth control for years. I haven't had the need to, and I can absolutely tell the difference of how I feel, how I think during my cycle, during that time of the month. It is so different. And that's what started to get me thinking, well, what else can I do to improve my health, to decrease some of these symptoms or more than anything, it's not even just the symptoms to get myself in balance. But you mentioned that there are are a few things that women can do during their uh, cycle during the month. What are maybe one or two things that someone could potentially explore to, uh, I'm not going to say alter those symptoms, but maybe to, to care for those symptoms? Yeah. So I mean, I just give you like some of my basic recommendations. And and I, I think of this young woman who was in her young teens and that her mom brought her to see me in, from Puerto Rico. So she flew her in. Her She was scheduled for a third laparoscopy. And I think she was 15 or 16 at the time. And since she had started her periods at 13, she missed a week of school and she was in so much pain and agony and was really struggling. And I, I looked at this young woman and you can, you know, bright, intelligent, she didn't want to have another surgery or ovarian cyst removed or any anything else. And I said, okay, well, you know, like by design, you have, I would say Pocahontas genes or you have warrior princess genes. You don't have like PCOS or PMS genes. I mean, this is you, we have to get, we have to empower your body to its intelligent design, which is not Mm. intending to hurt you. So we, I said, first of all, you got to stop sugar, no more, you know, drink water, no more sodas. It's really hard for teens to do that with all the peer pressure and everything I'm telling you. And then the second one was even harder, no milk, no cheese. And she's Puerto Rican and she loves her cheese. And, and I said, well, you're committed to this. I, believe me, this will make a difference. And I put her on a supplement, which is my mighty, like my mighty maca supplement, which is an adaptogen, but there are different ones. They're PMS support supplements, different ones, but you know, you know, to just help the body detox from the excess hormones and you know, toxic disruptors, and then just a multivitamin B complex. And honest to God, her mom called me six weeks later and she says, you know, Dr. Anna, she didn't miss a day of school. She didn't know her period was coming. And that, that girl so determined, you know, I mean, she graduated valedictorian. I don't know if that had anything to do with me, but I am claiming some credit here. Yes. I'm claiming some credit. 
<laughs> so, and, and she's just, and she's going into medicine. I mean, her, her mess became her message. Like my mess yeah. became my message. Yeah. Your mess becomes your message. And mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I used the term shit show earlier, but yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it, it's true. And I think that's the, so the, the certain things, all my recipes are, are very hormone balancing. Like last in Keto Green 16, we're doing a challenge in my, in one of my private groups. And so I, I cooked for this gentleman I'm dating and, and my kids last night. And it was my chicken curry, cashew, what was it? Cilantro chicken, cashew chicken, cilantro cashew chicken. And so it's chicken, it's dusted in a combination of spices, turmeric and cumin and coriander and some salt and black pepper. Mm, and then delicious. I have a, a sauce with that I blend up, which is avocado, coconut kefir, lime, and bunches of cilantro. So you're blending that up and serving it over cauliflower rice. And he's like, this blows me away because he called this morning, goes, I slept good. I feel good. And all my family is eating this entire plate. It's very hormone balancing. Turmeric is an anti-inflammatory. It's good for the brain. It's good for the memory. Cilantro is a great alkalinizer, also a natural diuretic and helps with the micro gut microbiome. Of course, the benefits of avocado, healthy fats. So like blend making food as food is our first medicine, you know? Yeah. Maybe I'm going to supplement too, right? I'm going to, I'm going to supplement too, but food is our first medicine. And we, we get rid of the hormone disruptors that our body has to deal with, you know, then our body's free to do what's intelligently designed to do. And it's true at any age. It's true at any age. And another reason is I know my daughter is start like my youngest is starting her period because you start to get that mood. And I am big on the hormone balancing foods at this time. Ooh, especially the week before. Yeah, yeah. With four girls, I'm sure you're like, oh, no, I, I'm going to handle all of this. We are not going to have a chaotic household in any way, shape or form, which and that's such a great point. The food that we eat, sugar, and I have such a sweet tooth. It is terrible. And I know it's one of the first things that I need to to get better at. We'll say it's not it's not off the charts crazy. But do I look forward to dessert after dinner every night? Sure do. I sure do, Dr. Anna. <laughs> but that I grew up, my mom was a baker, so a meal has not been eaten <gasps> until you had dessert. <laughs> so I have a recipe, Karen, I'll send it to you. It's in my second book. It's cardamom cashew fat bombs. And so it's like cashew, you know, you just put a bunch of cashew, some cardamom, a couple dates in. So just two dates for a big um, portion. So that gives you a little extra fiber, stickiness and sweetness, but the coconut butter, and let me, and then you can drizzle it with some dark mm. chocolate, but that is a really good, that was what we had for dessert last night. So that that's recipe. a really good for those of us with sweet tooth. And then there's like less than five grams of carbs in it. So oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. Oh, I'll help you, you with this. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please. It sounds like you've had so many rewarding um, moments. I I hear it. I feel it. I mean, just in the small snippets that you've shared, what would you say would be one of the most rewarding moments in your career? Oh, my goodness. Well, to be honest, it was delivering my granddaughter. Oh. Delivering my granddaughter from my, you know, my daughter, Amanda, as my firstborn, had her firstborn, a single mom, and in a birthing center. And it was a novel experience for me as the, you know, ivory tower trained OBGYN. And it probably is the single most rewarding because there's a few things. It became a three generation household. I had, you know, my mom, my, both my parents were pa- passed away um, from complications of diabetes and heart disease. And so here we're creating a legacy plus the 
amount of love that was there in that room with my, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter and her sister. So all my daughters there, my uh, oldest is in Maui. So she was there via WhatsApp and, you know, to have the love and the connection there was huge. And I say that Karen, because after my, our trauma, our family went through a lot. I mean, we were so disconnected, so dysfunctional, so separated. We were so, you know, estranged from each other for so, so many years, like to have this unity, this love, this connection better than I could have ever imagined. I mean, honestly, like I didn't earn this, right? This is like that one step at a time, focusing on gratitude, being present, being positive and, you know, vulnerable. And that, that transition, those transitions, you know, there I was, my daughter asked me, would you deliver my baby? And I was like, oh my God, you know, like there's culmination of complete joy. Oh, I, I cry easily. My audience knows this. So yes, yes, the tears are falling at this point. That is, that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful to be in a position. And what a full circle moment. That's kind of what's coming up for me. It's like this started with your mom and, and wanting to know more about what she was going through medically became the inspiration behind you pursuing this degree And now here you are as a mom being able to use this degree and this experience and your expertise to bring life into the world for your daughter. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I need a second folks. I need a second. (laughs) You said how you have, you have, you won the lottery with family. I mean, to have, you know, three generation household, to have family, to create, um, you know, to magnify that you want to see people you know, you want to see your family, friends, you want them over, you want to be with them and they want to be with you. Right. And they want to be with you. That's, that's, that's loving life. That's living your best life. Yeah. That doesn't have anything to do with your bottom line, but that bottom line will raise because you're living your best life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I have one more question before we leave. I know that there are going to uh, be a lot of women who hear this and they're going to, one, go get the book, right? The books, the recipe, all of that. We'll make sure that's in the show note. But uh, what advice would you give someone, you know, a woman who's listening, who's just saying, okay, I just want to start to improve my health and well-being. I just, and it is, it feels overwhelming. Honestly, you go online and you try to look for, okay, what would be the best way? And then you're, you know, overloaded by all of this different information. But I do believe that there are wonderful ways and the way that you have done this, I think is perfect for us to find what is right for us, because it is going to be different for everyone. But as a starting point, where would you say someone should start, where a woman should start in just starting to improve her health? I think that, you know, I mean, the first thing, like I would say, you're Physiology affects your behavior, right? So to change your behavior from those cravings, from the symptoms you're experiencing, the headaches, mood swings, that's physiologic. That's not in your head, right? That's physiologic. So we have to, you know, we have to change your physiology. And so the the way that I do for myself in the first step with my clients is to get keto green. So the first step in getting keto green is is adding greens, is adding the greens, the alkalinizers and cutting out the sugar. So we don't want to just say, okay, just cut out sugar and then you haven't replaced it with anything, then you're hungry. So you've got to add the healthy fats, the high quality protein, cultivate a practice of no more snacking. Those little 
little things, just those little things can make a big difference to your physiology. And then you're more empowered to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, going back to the time where I was finding my way through grief, I remember I had the opportunity to work with a coach and I, you know, told her what was going on and how I couldn't think clearly. And and one thing that was helpful to know is the chemical imbalance that happens when we go through trauma. But from that space, also, if, if I know that that's happening and I can't quite control it because that's how I'm processing my trauma, what she said was, but there are things that you can control like sleep making sure you're getting enough sleep, drinking water, just having a cup of water with by you all day, every day, making sure you're getting salads. That was a big thing. She said, you can prep these. This is easy. And it was so helpful that it stayed with me for the long run because I could see and feel the difference in the decisions I was making in how I was able to control emotions and, and manage them, not in a way where it was you know to suppress them, but really feeling like, okay, I can feel sadness and it's not going to cripple me. I can feel frustrated, but now I can actually think more clearly on what would be the solution you know, on the other side of this problem. So I, I cannot stress enough, thank you for mentioning that. The, what we put in our body absolutely impacts our mind, our brain, and the way we show up in life. So thank you. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Oh, what a great conversation. We will make sure that all of Dr. Anna's resources are linked below in the show notes. You can find her, you can connect with her. Obviously, she's a wealth of information. would be happy to share what she has learned. So make sure you get connected, especially if you are a woman who cares about her health. Dr. Anna, thank you. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.